The Athletic. Good morning and welcome to the briefing show from The Athletic. It's Tuesday, April the 18th. I'm Charlie Eccleshare and here's everything you need to know from the world of football. Today we're asking, could Liverpool make a late push for the top four? I think it's still a huge ask, but you think, well, maybe, just maybe. Does Todd Bowley have a plan at Chelsea? You can see what they're trying to do. And in theory, it all sounds wonderful. But in practice, it's been an absolute disaster. Has Jose Mourinho really discovered his mojo? He's replaced Totti in some respects. Rome is the city of emperors. You need a figure who can take on all the pressure on their shoulders. This is The Briefing Show from The Athletic. Liverpool on the break. Gakpo, Salah, he doesn't miss. Quick, slick. There's generally been a pretty miserable season for Liverpool, who've suffered a bit of a hangover from last year's marathon campaign. Back then, they won the Carabao Cup and FA Cup and finished as runners-up in both the Premier League and Champions League. This time around, they've been maddeningly inconsistent, and their dismal away form has left them in eighth place in the Premier League table. But on Monday night, they produced their biggest away win of the season, thumping Leeds United 6-1, and maybe, just maybe, setting themselves up for a late push for the top four. Let's bring in the Athletics Liverpool correspondent, James Pearce, who joins us from Ellen Road. Two years ago, Liverpool rescued a top four place when it looked pretty out of reach. They're now nine points behind Newcastle with eight games left. Could they do something similar? I mean, this this emphatic victory at Ellen Road has given them a glimmer of hope. I think it's still a huge ask. But I'd say before the weekend, probably very little chance whatsoever. But then when you see Newcastle beaten in the manner they were, you see Tottenham lose in the last minute, you and then you see Liverpool suddenly click into gear. You think, you think, well, maybe, just, just maybe, but um, yeah, it's still a huge ask when you think, yeah, nine points with only eight games to go. Something as well that makes it feel maybe possible is the fact that players are coming back from injury. How much of a difference do you think that will make? Just the fact that suddenly, with players coming back, he has options again. That feeling of what might have been for Liverpool this season if they hadn't had so many injury issues, because you know when you're bringing on Luis Diaz, Darwin Nunes, Roberto Firmino, and Thiago Alcantara, you know that's not a bad quartet, is it? When the game is already long since won and you're inside the last 10 minutes. And so Klopp does have serious options now, um, you know, pretty much across the team now that the injury situation has has cleared up. Um, so, yeah, that will certainly help. So will the fact they've got such a light schedule, you know, relatively and, you know, obviously nothing else to play for this season apart from that late dash towards the top four. And we saw Trent Alexander-Arnold reprising the role he had against Arsenal, that kind of full-back midfield hybrid role. How much of a difference does that make to the way Liverpool are playing? Yeah, I think he's really embraced that change because I think he had had a difficult period where people were you know, pouncing on every little defensive mistake that, that he was making. And of course, he'd been cast aside by England. So I think for Klopp, a big part of it was trying to freshen things up a bit. And I think certainly Trent feels as if that kind of inverted fullback role that means, you know, we've, we've seen it kind of before where at times, almost like on his own instincts, he's, he's allowed to drift inside and, and help build attacks. But this is, you know, the last two games against Arsenal and again here tonight, it's been very much part of the, the strategy and the game plan for him to be a key part of the build-up from a, a central role and Canate filling out to that right-hand side. And 
yeah, you, I think for me, it, it, it plays to his strengths more and more in terms of getting him in areas where he can really hurt teams. And you know, he certainly showed that tonight with the part he played in some of the goals and you know the, the quality of that pass, picking out the run of Darwin Nunes for, for the final one late on, just underlined it for me. Before we move on, let's have a quick look at the other side of the result at Leeds United and what it means for Javi Garcia's battered Leeds team. The Athletics' Leeds correspondent Phil Hay explains just how worried we should be about a team that has now conceded 11 goals in its last two home games and sits just two points above the relegation zone. The question of how worried Leeds should be is probably best answered by sitting and listening to Javi Gracia at the two press conferences that have followed 5-1 defeat to Crystal Palace and 6-1 defeat to Liverpool. And his inability to find an explanation for what has gone on, Leeds have caved in badly and, and far too easily. And I think it raises the question which often comes around at this time of year when you're in relegation trouble, which is, you know, where are the points coming from? Where is the next result coming from? And I feel like they have to get something from Fulham at the weekend because the table is too tight and they've got nothing like the kind of advantage over the bottom three that they had this time last year. And everybody will remember that this time last year it got very tight and very tense towards the end, um, requiring that win at Brentford on the last day. So... In terms of how worried people are and in terms of how worried they should be, um, I think the answer to that is very. Amid some stiff competition, Chelsea have surely been this season's Premier League crisis club. Under new owner Todd Bowley, they've lurched from one disaster to another, sacking Thomas Tuchel, who led them to the Champions League title in 2021, hiring and then firing Graham Potter, and now languishing in 11th position, with interim head coach Frank Lampard losing his first three games in charge. Bowley reportedly entered the dressing room after Saturday's defeat to Brighton and said the club's position was embarrassing. And now they face the might of Real Madrid, the Champions League holders and 14-time winners who have a 2-0 lead from the first leg heading into tonight's game at Stamford Bridge. We're going to bring in Simon Johnson, one of the Athletics' Chelsea correspondents, to give us a bit of context and maybe a teeny bit of hope. So we'll start with tonight's game, Simon. Do they have any chance of pulling off an upset against Real? They've got more of a chance than they should have been allowed to be. Um, I think Real Madrid, if if they wanted to, could have really killed off the tie last week. Uh, Chelsea played for over half an hour with 10 men. So to get away with the 2-0 scoreline, of course, anything's possible. If Chelsea scored the opening goal, I've been there for some miraculous comebacks in the Champions League many times over the years. But every common sense, what we've been seeing on the pitch screams no that confidence is rock bottom. They can't keep clean sheets. But the first task is, can they score two goals? And that is something they've rarely been able to do. So I, I, I will be a very surprised man. I don't think I'll be the only one in Europe who will be extremely surprised. And how fair do you think the criticism is of Todd Bowley? Yes. I mean, this is Chelsea Football Club. There's a lot of things that, and it's not just Todd Bowley, he seems to be the one that everyone talks about generally, but that he's not the only co-owner. I mean, Dad Agbali is, is very influential too. And you can see what they're trying to do. And in theory, it all sounds wonderful, but in practice, it's been an absolute disaster um, so far, I hasten to add. Um, I just think it's been, essentially, since Chelsea have been put under sanctions just over 12 months ago, the club has just been built on sand. I think it's fair to criticise them because, they're, of course, they're the ones that have made these big, big decisions, sacking Tuchel, bringing in Graham Potter. He only lasts seven months. 
Now Lampard comes in, a, a guy that was sacked by Chelsea a couple of years ago. It's just been lurching from one mistake to another. Not many of the signings have come off yet, I hasten to add. So, yes, I think the first year, you, Chelsea 11th, it's been an embarrassment. Um, so, yes, the, the buck has to stop with the, the new owners. But at the same time, you can't fault their ambition. <laughs> They've spent an absolute fortune and they are trying to rebuild the structure of the club and do lots of things. It, it's just very few of their moves have come off so far. Is there any update on the search for a permanent head coach? Well, David Ornstein reported in, in his weekly column that Ruben Abraham, uh, the Sporting Lisbon coach, has now been ruled out. Julian Nagelsmann has been spoken to. Luis Enrique has been spoken to. But it is coming down to what was essentially a short list all along. Um, I think this sort of the wider name, sort of talk of five to ten names, it was always a little bit fanciful that it would come outside the box. Um but there's no sort of imminent appointment from from what I gather, but it's huge for Chelsea. They can't afford another season like this one. So understandably, they're taking a bit more time. But in saying that, they can't afford to take too much time because summer transfer targets, summer decisions, which again, it's going to be a huge, huge, hugely important window, arguably more, more important than the last two to get right, given that Chelsea have to bounce back next season and, and come back very strongly. Over the last 20 years, Jose Mourinho has been one of football's most recognisable figures. The young upstart at Porto, the swaggering provocateur at Chelsea, the all-conquering hero at Inter, Pep Guardiola's nemesis at Barca, before, let's say, mixed spells back at Chelsea, then at Manchester United and Tottenham Hotspur. It seemed as though he was a busted flush, but now, back in Italy with Roma, aged 60, Mourinho won the Europa Conference League in his first season last year, is in the quarterfinals of this season's Europa League, and after Sunday's 3-0 win over Udinese, his Roma team sit third in Syria and look a good bet to qualify for next season's Champions League. So we're going to bring in now James Horncastle, the Athletics' Italian football correspondent. So James, how has he turned his reputation around? Well, he did not have a reputation to turn around in Italy. He left as this unprecedented treble winner with Inter. You know, that is a feat that no one had achieved before him. No one's achieved since. And because he went out on a high, he was welcomed as a superstar. And the league needs superstars. And he's probably the one transcendent one that they have at the moment, particularly in coaching. And, you know, Roma fans cannot believe that he is their coach. It's something that they're still in awe of. And... He obviously hasn't picked up exactly where he left off when he went from Inter to Real Madrid, but he delivered a trophy in his first season. And for Roma fans who hadn't seen their team win anything in 14 years, whatever people say about the Conference League, that was massive for the fan base. And it's made them believe in the team again. And he's replaced Totti in some respects as... You know, obviously, he's not Roman born and bred. He's not a footballer with supernatural ability in the way that Totti is. But Rome is the city of emperors and you need a kind of figure who can take on all the pressure on their shoulders. And Mourinho has been able to do that. To me, back in 2010, Mourinho was this kind of imperious figure in Italy. How different is 2023 Mourinho from that 2010 version? I think that one of the things that's slightly different about 
Mourinho is, yes, Roma spent a lot of money in the first summer that he was in charge. They had a net spend of around 100 million, but they haven't spent any money really this year. They've only done prestige free free transfers like Paolo Dybala, Gini Wijnaldum on low, Matic. And he's not only found a way to build on what he did last year, but he's integrated a lot of young players into the team from the academy, which you know is something that's not always associated with with Mourinho. Do you think he will stay at Roma or move? I mean, there's been talk linking him with the Brazil job. Where, where do you see him next season? Well, Mourinho has been quite coy about his future. Uh, Roma's chief executive, a guy called Pietro Berardi, said he was convinced uh, Mourinho would see out his contract. But we're at that stage now where a club and, and Mourinho should be negotiating a new deal. And we don't have any news on that. I think what's kind of quite interesting is, you know, a lot of people, as you mentioned at the top of the show, thought Jose was a busted flush, that he was done, that he was finished at the highest level. I think his stock is on the rise again. And just as we saw with Carlo Ancelotti, I can see something similar happening with Mourinho if Roma's owners aren't able to kind of satisfy his ambition and, and build on what he's already done already going into a third year. You're listening to The Briefing Show from The Athletic. It is, as we've discussed, the Champions League night tonight. You can get Chelsea's mission improbable against Real Madrid or Napoli against AC Milan on BT Sport in the UK or Paramount Plus in the US. There's also a whole lot of championship football in the UK, which you can find on Sky and Sky's red button, while US viewers should head to ESPN Plus to find Millwall v Birmingham City. Well, that's all from us. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, make sure you take advantage of our latest offer. Go to theathletic.com forward slash TBS and it's $1.99 a month for your first year. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and if you've got the time, be sure to give us a review as well. I'm Charlie Eccleshare, your producer is Michael Zimmerman and The Briefing Show will be back tomorrow. The Athletic.